Welcome to Everyday Superhumans, the podcast where we interview ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kyle. And you're sitting right across the table from me. Yep. And? We're in Austin. Austin, Texas. That's right. We made it. <laughs> yeah, we made it big time, guys. To the homeland. <laughs> yeah. Well, my homeland. Yeah. From I, Texas originally. Yeah, but yeah, you're still a transplant of the yeah. city. Everybody's a transplant here. Yeah. Even I, our guest today's a transplant. That's right. She's not from here either. Where is she from? I can't remember. I think she says in the interview. Um, that's why everyone should listen. <laughs> exactly. To I just did our, a plug in there. To hear where I guess... Uh, <laughs> <Jane> Nugget! <laughs> Nugget! <laughs> As you might hear in the background, there's a bunch of licking happening. That is our new mascot, Nugget. <laughs> Maybe it didn't get picked up, but, uh, but um, we're recording in my apartment, mm. and... We have my Australian cattle right by us because she's interested, but she was a little thirsty. So <laughs> we have a mascot, as you might see on on uh, Instagram now. She is adorable. Yeah, she's so adorable. But anyways, back to the guest. <laughs> <laughs> back to the guest. Yeah, who is in charge? Well, a part of Honk Texas. Mm-hmm. She's a member of like four different brass bands here too, and she arranges this as well. She like lives and breathes music. And her name's. Allison. Allison yeah. Oh, well, wait. Are we going to say it at the same time? <laughs> Ready? Ready? All right. One, two, three. Allison, Allison Earnhardt. Earnhardt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's, she's so fun. Uh, she's also a science teacher at a very, uh, very prestigious magnet school here in Austin called the Liberal Arts and Science Academy mm-hmm. of Austin. And her, she has both like an equal amount of passion for music and science, which you don't really see in most people. Like, no, usually there one is analytical, one is mm-hmm. creative, but mm-hmm. she brings them together in harmony. Yeah. And her passion for both is so contagious. Yeah. Like I loved this interview. It was so fun. So fun enough that she actually invited us to her to her parties after this. So I That's guess, right. guess it worked out pretty well for us. Win-win. Yeah. We loved having her on and as our first guest here in Austin. She was a great example of the people of Austin, and we went... We can go straight to the interview right now. We only need to describe the interview for you. So without further ado, Allison Earnhardt. Honk. We like to usually start like at the beginning, like what got you into like where you currently are in your life. Like since we want to talk to you mostly about your teaching and Honk Texas. So okay. we got we can start either way you want to, like what got what got you into music or what got you into science. Like that's what we usually like to Or the combination about. of both. Yeah, oh, music man. and science. together. Well, I've always done both. When I mean by always, I mean like since elementary school you know i got into music super early Mm -hmm. um music was just always music and science were both enormous parts of my family either even though neither one of my parents is a scientist or a musician um (laughs) really yes (laughs) my dad was really super into science and there's a whole long story about how he went to college and uh faked his um advisor's name on his transcripts and just took nothing but science classes for three and a half years and then he realized that he wasn't going to get a degree yeah (laughs) because he didn't take any of the classes Uh, and then he immediately uh drops out and gets a night job as a clerk at this um juvenile detention facility and then 37 years later retired as the director of the entire facility oh Oh, wow wow. he like accidentally became a social worker (laughs) no background in that whatsoever yeah (laughs) I feel like he's a go with the flow sort of, or he yeah. beats to his own bit. drum. But, but he always had a huge passion for science. And mm-hmm. growing up, 
he was very conscious about trying to expose me and my brother to as many different ideas and things as possible. So, like, when I think back on my childhood, every single summer was packed full of trying to do new things. Like, we built a potato gun in the backyard. Uh. He built his own archery range, and we did archery, and we did old-style, like, photography. Like, he built an entire dark room in the basement for, like, two years. And oh, wow. we did real photography. <laughs> we did candle-making one year, and, like... So you were he, he would just pick a million different things to do, and I thought this was normal growing up. Yeah. That like, oh, this summer we're gonna do blah 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 blah, and like all my other friends were like, "You're doing what?" Yeah. And a lot of times he was like, "Does your dad know how to do this?" And like, no, but he's gonna learn and then teach us. And so yeah. we were just constantly traveling a lot and just doing a million things. So I was raised with a curiosity and a love and respect for science. Oh, I was always really into it in school. That's yeah. great. Yeah, like it sounds like I grew up through Boy Scouting, so mm-hmm. like, I kind of had similar experiences. But and my dad was a leader, so I, I totally get that. Like it definitely opens up a lot of doors if you get exposed to that many things when you're young. Yeah. And also, potato guns are really fun to shoot. Yes, so. they are. Well, yeah. my my dad, aside from his job of uh, being a social worker, working with um, juveniles in the justice system. Uh, he was also a licensed master pyrotechnician, oh, and he wow. shot fireworks every Fourth of July. Yeah. Uh, only as, as a side job, Did only he on the Fourth of July. By chance? No, he okay. works. Uh, he worked for the second largest fireworks company in America. He just was in with the company and stuff. Uh, okay. And so I also grew up around that. So explosives and chemistry and just mm. you know all of mm. that was just always a big part of my life. And how about the music side? The music side. Um, my parents don't play any instruments. My mother sings very well, although she won't admit it, but when I hear her singing along to the radio, she has an absolutely fantastic voice. <laughs> but both of them are huge fans of music. They love every genre of music, and growing up, if my earliest memories, even toddling around in the living room, uh, David Bowie is playing in the background, or uh-huh. Talking Heads, or The Beatles, and like there was always music playing. And so it, it was just natural for me to grow up listening to tons and tons of music. My parents mm-hmm. passed on their passion for music to me. And as soon as I was old enough to start playing an instrument, they encouraged me to do it. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with it instantly. I, I started on saxophone oh, when I was too. in fifth grade. I played sax in six. Yeah. Right on, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's really hard to start out, that sax. instrument. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's I impossible know, yeah. to tell because you can only start out on one instrument. Yeah. <laughs> you can't compare. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dabble with everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> my dad was a trombonist. My brother was uh, clarinet, and my sister was flute. Right on. Cool. Yeah, yeah my brother was mostly trumpet. But uh, oh, really? over even over the course of middle school and high school, um, my parents were very enthusiastic about the fact that my brother and I did play instruments and mm-hmm. loved instruments. And it, it started to become a thing in my family where my dad would come home from a flea market or a, a garage sale and be like, here's a trombone that oh. I found. Just have it. Or yeah. here's a flute I found at Goodwill. Have it. That's you know, great. By the time I was a senior in high school, we had an entire room in our house just full of random musical instruments, some of oh, which we nice. could play, some of which we couldn't. But like, we were just always super, super encouraged to just play music and have fun and we loved it so so much so it it was a huge part of my life Uh, I was in every single band in high school did all the things Uh, when I went to college I insisted on playing music even though it wasn't in my major 
and I didn't need to anymore, but I kept on playing with the wind symphony. And then when I moved to Austin here mm. and started my adult life, whatever, yeah. um, I thought, like like everyone else does who plays music in school, you think that when you're out of school, you're done playing music. Mm, yeah. And that's where the story of Honk comes in, which is yeah. why I'm so passionate about Honk. Because, so what exactly yeah. is Honk for the people that are listening who don't know? Yeah, um, Honk uh, is basically... It's a festival, it's a movement, it's an idea, it's a bunch of different things all wrapped up together, which basically en- uh, encompasses adults and, and kids if they want to be a part of it, but it, it mostly is adult amateur musicians mm-hmm. who choose to keep playing their instruments after school and whatnot and into their lives, and basically c- coming together to create community bands. Sometimes these community bands have a political or social mm-hmm. purpose. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're just purely for playing music. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a, a community of people who come together and continue to play music no matter what age you are, no matter what background you have, no matter what your day job is. Mm-hmm. And just sharing that passion for playing and performing and getting creative and being silly. They put on some really good shows. I actually stumbled upon it like two or three years ago. I was mm-hmm. here for spring break, and uh, me and my friends went to South Congress, and there was like all these marching bands everywhere. I was like, what is happening? Well, that's the <laughs> point. Uh, that's mm-hmm. actually why we try to do performances like that. Because for us, a large part of Honk, especially Honk Texas, which is very community themed, we want to have. We want people to be surprised by us and delighted by us. Yeah. We want people to be randomly walking down the street in their community or they're out having dinner and they go, holy cow, a marching <laughs> yeah. band. Isn't this wonderful? Isn't this magical? And it really is. That that yeah. to us is our it's our form of community service. It's like you can go to a park and you can pick up all the trash to beautify mm. it and make it mm. nice. Or you could go to a park and play music there and make it nice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's making the community, it's enriching the community mm -hmm. by performing music everywhere we can. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we uh, were living next to New Orleans for a couple of years, Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much like the New Orleans culture right there. Did Honk start in New Orleans by a chance? Uh, Honk did not start in New Orleans, but it's very much uh, influenced a lot by the traditional New Orleans Mm -hmm. brass bands. Uh, A lot of Honk bands play a lot of traditional New Orleans brass band music. Uh, honk itself was originally started in Boston. Okay. Yes, that that was the original Honk Music Festival. It's still going on, uh, going strong and awesome. And um, their version of Honk, as they envisioned it, began as a, a community activist street band kind of thing. Because a lot of these street bands in Honk, um, they either have different political or social issues that they're passionate mm. about. Okay. A lot of these bands will show up and play for marches or demonstrations mm. uh, or to support a specific cause if there's an event going on. So the Boston group started and still is very focused on social activism. Mm. Uh, the, the Austin honk here in Texas, mm. which we just finished our sixth year, we're yeah, more uh we try to stay away from like overtly political issues and just make it about community okay. and about embettering uh your community by playing music and doing that. Mm. And then there's also Honk Fest West in Seattle, right? And they have their own flavor in Seattle. Um and they're also very community oriented. And just recently in Detroit, Detroit has started a festival oh. called Crash Detroit, which is slightly different than Honk because they actually do go 
crash bars and restaurants and oh, venues wow. that are not expecting them. Have you been to it? And, oh, yes. I've been there the last two years, and it is just phenomenal. It is wow. such a joy. How do the people in the bars here, like the bar owners, do they like, complain or they're like, oh, this is bringing the crowd? The this vast majority of the time, people are incredibly excited and receptive and love to have a band come in because mm. the patrons like it. Uh, they do a lot of times. It does bring in uh, a little more business mm. right then because you're just making a scene and people mm. get excited. Um, and it's just incredibly fun. And there's that little edginess about you know not <laughs> yeah. having permission and just jumping <laughs> yeah. in and you know wanting spontaneous joy to be experienced. Mm-hmm. That's that's what the attitude is. Well, that's why I felt yeah. like I experienced Honk Texas on accident. Just mm-hmm. we were going to South Congress to get some drinks, and then we ended up just like watching the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went this past year. You did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I first got into town. Yeah, one of my friends from Detroit oh, actually cool. was like, "Hey, I want to see this Detroit band." Mm-hmm. And then I was like, They're "So good!" Okay, Detroit party yeah. marching band is one of my favorite. Yeah, bands. yeah. Is there like a particular <laughs> style for like Detroit style marching bands? I only know really New Orleans and high school style. Like, is oh. there? A, well, every band has their own unique style. For example, the Detroit Party Marching Band, um, their style is there's a lot of them, so they <laughs> fill a space. Yeah. They are incredibly loud. They are incredibly in your face. Like, every song is played at 11, and it's just a very, very high-intensity, high-powered music. Um, a lot of it uh, would be uh, covers of pop tunes or else other other tunes that are just good for a very loud, aggressive style mm. marching band. You know, um, and, and every band in Honk is different. Every band has a unique flavor. Mm. Um, you know, some really do focus on traditional New Orleans style jazz. I'm in a band called the Moon Tower Brass Band, which just started recently. And we're so <laughs> traditional, we even try to wear the... Uh, uh, the traditional outfits that uh, brass bands in New Orleans wear. Oh, really? Like, we actually oh, like, cool. get dressed up for it, and we play like v- very traditional tunes. Have you marched in New Orleans? Like, gone to New Orleans and like, started marching on the French Quarter? I have. I have done small personal parades. I have played uh, one or two like large commercial, like like the big parades in uh, New Orleans <laughs> wow. during Mardi Gras. Wow. Uh, like, you know, seven miles in front of thousands and thousands of people. We were there in the people. past two years. We may have seen you. Yeah. We were at Mardi Gras this year and the year before that. I go every single year. I yeah, don't ever miss you. a Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what got you into, like, from I get from I get from this, you also are an organizer of Hunt Texas, right? Yes. Like, what made you go into organiza- organizing it versus, like, just, say, being in a part of a marching band that so happens to march in Hunt Texas? Well, um, the first marching band I joined here in Austin, which was Minor Mishap Marching Band, uh, as soon as I joined them, I just fell in love with the band, with the people, with the community, with every single aspect of it. And shortly after that, I went to Boston because Boston's honk is always in October. Okay. And so that was my first experience of honk. And it just blew me away. Mm-hmm. I was so, I was having so much fun and it was so exciting. And I got to make all these new friends instantly because, you know, everyone in all the bands gets along mm-hmm. and talk to each other and mm-hmm. there's all this back and forth. And so as soon as I came home from that, I was like, Oh my God, guys, honk is the greatest thing ever. And my friends told me, well, you know, we put on our own honk here. Uh, At that time, when I had joined, um, Austin had just put on our first honk, Texas. So I actually missed the first year. I was not aware of the culture, not aware that it was a thing that was happening. And then... When someone told me, like, oh, we do honk in Austin, too, I was like, that's the greatest (laughs) thing in the entire world. It's going to happen in my backyard. And the moment I learned that, 
I immediately had this extremely strong desire to help and to make it happen and to make sure that it will always happen mm-hmm. because it's something that I care about so much. That we saw the front I, yard. You had yeah, the honk in front of the, it. The yeah. hon- yes, the stuff in the front yard is is temporary because okay. that stuff is actually going out for bulk collection. <laughs> oh, okay. I was, <laughs> I was the, like, the, wow, that's really currently awesome. Currently, my garage, if you go into my garage, there's an enormous pile of honk stuff because since I have the largest garage on the committee, it falls uh, to me. I have so the responsibility you, of holding... You like, the warehouse. I, yes, my, my garage is the honk warehouse throughout the year. <laughs> so what are you storing there? I just like all the decorations. Are you storing Yeah, decorations. Too? We've got uh, all the signage and boards for things. We have lots of um, uh, supplies mm-hmm. for our potluck dinners and for our, um, you know, just all of our events that we host. Because we try and take care of the musicians as much as we can while they're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we provide housing, which is my big thing. Uh, we try to provide a lot of their meals. Because, again... A honk bands don't make a tremendous amount of money because usually there's a lot of people in the band and uh, it's almost entirely um, uh, part-time or amateur musicians. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. You know, like pe- people who don't play m- music for a living mm-hmm. and making money that way. So it, it usually it costs the members money to come to honk. Oh. I, I buy oh, my wow. plane ticket to Boston and I go... You know, and people pay to fly to Austin. So the organizing committee tries as much as possible to soften the blow of that cost because people are paying out of pocket. Mm. So we try to provide free housing, Mm. as many meals as we can, and just make it so that it's it's easier for everyone to show up and have fun. Yeah, and it would suck to like not be able to go with your band to a like, big festival like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you usually have like a pretty good turnout rate? Like does most people come? Oh yeah, we uh we usually do. Usually when uh when a band decides that they're coming to a honk, then uh the band itself will usually do a few fundraisers in their hometown and mm-hmm. try and get everything organized. Mm-hmm. And the Honk Texas, our committee, we do a tremendous amount of fundraising uh, to actually send stipends to the band to also help uh, defray the costs of plane tickets and travel and other things. That's great. So each band that comes gets a stipend so that, you know, it just is a little bit easier for everyone mm-hmm. to show up. And they come from all over, too, the oh, U.S.? Yeah. Not just all over America, but all over the world. Oh, this wow. past year, I, uh, we had a band here from Moscow called Pakava Eat, uh, yeah. and they are amazing. I love them so much. They actually stayed here in my house. It was so much fun. Um, but they were just incredible. And uh, the year before that, we had a band called Perhaps Contraption from London. Um, wow. We almost always have another band from uh, Canada, the um, Carnival Band. I've got a lot of friends there. They're a fantastic band. We've had bands from France. We've had um, bands from Australia. We have bands from all over the place. Wow. So Honk honk is very much becoming an international movement. Yeah. Um, aside from Boston, Austin, Seattle, and now Detroit here in America, uh, Australia and New Zealand have had honks. Uh, uh, Brazil has had a honk in Rio de Janeiro. Um, I believe London is working on having a honk right mm-hmm. now, and perhaps even Moscow. Now that Pakava Eat was wow. here, they were like, we're going to go back and that make our own honk, yeah. and we're going to invite everyone. And, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. Yeah. So, so honk festivals and the idea of honk and the idea of community street bands just self-organized and just doing it for fun and for the sake of creating art. That idea mm-hmm. is spreading all over the country and uh, all over the world and just becoming 
a big thing. It, honk is truly becoming a movement. Yeah. <laughs> and how how can you figure out about honk? Like Texas or any like we, on the internet? Yeah, or like, I mean we're trying to spread the word as much as we can. I mean, when this festival first started, it was really tiny. And no one knew what was going on. Yeah, yeah. People would just happen upon us. And now, in our af- just after our sixth year, um, we are now starting to be approached by businesses and groups and media about, oh, when's the next honk going to be? Wow. Um, like we we have lots of spots in the local media, and we're becoming a known festival in Austin. We're year after year. You know, we're now on the local events calendar and we're getting bigger sponsorships. And so it's, it's just growing. So yeah. the, the old fashioned way and to me still the best way to find out about honk is exactly how you guys did. What the heck is yeah. going on? <laughs> that to me is the very best way to experience honk for the first time is surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. Very surprising. Yeah. I didn't see that coming yeah. at all. When's the, when's the next honk? In Texas. Uh, we always have our honk, uh, in March or April, usually a week or two after South by. So okay. once South by Southwest okay. yeah. is done, um, the, it's, it's kind of meant to be like a community healing after all of the crazy <laughs> corporate madness that comes to town and turns our city into a circus. Honk Texas is like, it's by grassroots. For, it's, yes, grassroots. It's by and for the community. And, uh, you know, we don't have any big corporate sponsors or anything mm-hmm. like that. We're, it's just by and for the people here in Austin. Yeah. And it's a great way to just kind of decompress and have mm. some nice, wholesome, homegrown yeah. fun. It's really yeah. relaxing. <laughs> like yeah. people are just chilling out, mm-hmm. you know, like it's for everybody, for family. Yeah. It's a big picnic atmosphere. It's very family friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite memory from all the, from all the hunk festivals? Like oh my gosh. Every memory I have is a favorite memory. <laughs> Top it's just three? ridiculous. Uh, well, a lot, of, like two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago, I was playing in six different bands, like local bands as well as, uh, I'm an honorary member of a band from Chicago, Environmental Encroachment. They're absolutely amazing. They have traveled to every single honk wow. event all over the world. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're America's oh. honk band, oh, basically. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I was playing with them. I was playing with a bunch of local bands and I like the Saturday of honk where we play in Adams park next to spider house. Um, I, I was scheduled to play every single hour of the day, just hopping from stage to stage, running around and playing. It was like the fastest six hours of my life. I barely remember it. It was yeah. just a blur. I need a breath for that. Yeah, it was so crazy. Why? My lips were bleeding afterwards, but it was so much fun. I just couldn't stop myself. There's a lot, a lot of people in our community, especially here in, uh, in Austin. There's so many brass bands. Um, a lot of people are members of multiple bands because we just can't get enough of it. I didn't we know all want to play as many, as, as much as we possibly can. I thought Austin is like the rock music capital of the world and like New Orleans is the, the brass band capital of the world. That's, well, so, that can be true from certain standpoints, but I would also say that Austin probably has one of the highest 
concentrate the, the highest numbers of honk style brass bands of almost any other city. Yeah. We have a tremendous number of bands here. So if you want to join one, where can you go find like a list of these bands to go check out? Do you? Well, I guess as far as a comprehensive list, the easiest way to find out about it would be to go to the Honk Texas website, just okay. honktx.org. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I You find out about yeah. everyone who plays in Austin. So you can find out about the local bands as well as the visiting bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and almost all the bands here in town either have a Facebook page or a website mm, yeah, or something true. else. And and it was crazy. Like, for me, I got into this whole thing because I saw Minor Mishap perform one time. I was actually at a, a big Halloween uh, festival thing that was going on, and Minor Mishap was just there playing, and they blew my mind. I was mm-hmm. like, what? It's just a bunch of crazy adults playing <laughs> yeah, weirdo yeah. brass band music in super creative outfits. And I was like, oh, those are my people. I need to be there. I need to be playing that. And so I, I just looked them up and reached out to their band leader. And uh, eventually I was able to show up and, you know, kind of have an audition, you know, be there for a few rehearsals. And eventually I just became a part of that community. And that's how most people do. They, they stumble upon a performance or they stumble upon honk and think to themselves, man, I used to love playing music. I was such a band nerd or yeah. I just I really love performing and I don't get that opportunity anymore. But here, look, here's a bunch of people who are making it happen mm. and making it a part of their lives. I want to be a part of that. And that just attracts mm-hmm. a whole lot of really amazing cool people. You know, it, it's it's so much fun. And and it becomes a huge family. Everyone knows everyone. Mm. Everyone loves and cares about everyone. We mm. all love playing music together. There's a special bond that forms when mm. you play music oh, yeah. and perform yeah, with other people. Sure. And yeah. that's just, it's so magical. It's I'm, awesome. I'm addicted to it. I, I can't <laughs> I guess... not do this anymore. So yeah. how do you balance this with being a teacher then on top of that? Because I hear teaching is like a somewhat stressful job. In the right it part. is. I just, I balance everything by being busy every single moment <laughs> of every single day of my life. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I love that. That's my that's but, my philosophy right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually got that philosophy from my dad as well, and he always taught me, even as a little kid, he was like, you know what? We all have a finite amount of time mm. here on this earth. Yeah. Do as many things as you yeah. want to do because you only get one chance to do them. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I do. You know, I'm I do a million different things, but I love them and I'm passionate about them, and I feel like it makes me a better person. And I can't imagine not doing all of these things. Mm-hmm. So I make time. Mm-hmm. There, there are enough hours in the day. If you want to do something and you're passionate about it, then you mm-hmm. make time for yeah. it. That is true. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're like a beginner, mm-hmm. like if you can only play a little bit of guitar, like I have a guitar and I can play <laughs> just a little bit. Uh-huh. Like, can you enter into a honk band or do well, you have to? E- each honk band like is different. Like some honk okay. bands play very high level music and they require a very high level of musicianship from their members. Other honk bands are super loose and open and they will accept anyone regardless of whether or not you have any experience on an instrument. So, and, and, and there's the whole spectrum of bands that are everywhere in between. Um, one of my favorite groups out of the Boston area is called the School of Honk, which uh-huh. is actually uh, an organization so. that was created to kind of perpetuate the idea of honk and help get brand new beginners into honk. Oh, that's great. So even if you've never touched a brass instrument yeah. before, if you want to join School of Honk, they will welcome you with open arms. Uh-huh. They will teach you the basics of your instrument. Yeah. And even if you can play three notes... 
they'll teach you, all right, during this song, you're going to play these three notes, awesome. and it's going to be simple, but you're <sighs> going to be a part of the band. And they help you get over your fear of performing. Mm-hmm. They help you learn how to play with other people and improvise. And you grow and learn through this process, and then all of a sudden you look around and you're playing in a brass band and nice. you get better and better with each performance. So so there's a whole group of that dedicated to bringing people in that way. I believe uh, a version of School of Honk has just started recently here in Austin. And yeah. uh, that I, the idea of creating very inclusive brass bands uh, is also a big part of the honk community. So you, you have to find the right band, mm-hmm. but there are bands out there who will take people at any level of musicianship and just foster and encourage that passion for playing. And yeah. the more you play, the better you get. Yeah. I, I am such a better musician now than I was when I started in the brass band community five years ago. Mm-hmm. I would have never thought that I would be playing. I, I play music almost every single day. And I yeah. never thought that I would be doing that in my adult career after mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, actually, that what you mentioned, like the whole the honk school, the school of honk, mm-hmm. how they teach people to play an instrument. Like usually, like after school's over, there's really no good outlet to learn to make, how to learn an instrument. Exactly. Like that answers that question. Like that, yeah. that from? Yeah. How many adults think, oh, I'm gonna go learn how to play the flute, yeah. or That's I'm right. gonna ah. pick up a trombone and, and just learn from scratch? Like well, the, people don't think about yeah. that, and mm-hmm. there don't seem to be. I mean, I I don't see advertisements for people offering lessons, no. like no. beginner lessons on brass band instruments <laughs> yeah. to adults. You yeah. sound like I yeah. was in band, I am in a band. Yeah. After you, like reach after you like, get out of college, you hear I was in a band. Yeah. So so the the attitude of honk and the philosophy is hon- of honk is that anyone can play. If you want to play, you should have that outlet, and we want to be you know encouraging in that mm-hmm. regard. So um, how long have you been teaching? Uh, so you have a science and engineering background. Mm-hmm. So what made you take the, ed- the education route versus, say, like I did, like where I went to the career route? Was the It's weird. My story is I've never heard anyone else have the same origin story as me, <laughs> I guess, if you want to call it that. If you had asked me what I wanted to do with my life when I was 12 years old, I would have told you I want to be a science teacher. Huh. Most people don't say that. I have say I want to be an astronaut. Always or wanted, that. yeah, and <laughs> I have always it. wanted to be a science teacher. I just from an incredibly early age, I was always super passionate about science, and I love it, and I love talking about it, and I love telling other people about it. Mm-hmm. One of my greatest joys is teaching something to somebody, and they get mm-hmm. excited yeah. because they've never heard of that before, yeah. or you know, and so, and I recognized in myself from a very early age that I have the ability to be at times overly enthusiastic about things <laughs> and that I got great I got great satisfaction from sharing my enthusiasm about mm-hmm. things with other people so even at a very very young age it just kind of made sense for me it's like yeah. well I I'm really enthusiastic and I love to teach people about things and I really love science so I should really yeah. be a science teacher and I've just always wanted to do that. There was a small time in high school where I changed my mind and wanted to be a high school band director, uh, yeah. be a music teacher instead yeah. of a science teacher, uh, because I was just so passionate about band and music. Uh-huh. Um, and then I, I went back to the sciences and was like, no, nah, no, nah, I... My my, my calling in life is to tell other people about how awesome science mm-hmm. is and yeah. get yeah. people excited about it, as excited as I am. Nice. And that's what and I've that's, been doing. And that kind of <laughs> teaching right there is like the best way to like learn something. Like my favorite my favorite professor in college was a guy who was performing fluids class. 
he was so passionate about fluid mechanics. And I, before that class, I was like, oh, this is going to be such a hard There was class. a dude who was passionate class. about fluid mechanics. Yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh. He was so passionate I would love to though. meet this guy. I got an A in it. Like, I guess he kind of reminded me like him. Like, he could just like talk forever about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he loved everything about it. And like because of him, I got an A in the class. Like If not, I was just like, things like this causing me a drag. I don't mm-hmm. want to take this class. Mm-hmm. I have to. End up becoming a favorite topic. I have noticed throughout my life, and again, I started paying attention very early because at a very early age, I, I considered teaching as a career. So I paid attention to my teachers a lot. And I have very strong opinions about my best teachers and my worst teachers and what makes a good teacher. Mm. And over and over again, m- more than anything else, it truly is that that inner passion for what you're teaching. If you care about it, and that is evident to the people you're trying to teach. You are going, you are going to compel them to mm-hmm. care about it, even if they try to fight it. That's true. <laughs> you know, really, you know that that's what makes the difference. the The worst teachers that I've had in my life, uh, at at the you know lower levels as well as in college, were were teachers that were clearly not passionate about what they were teaching. Yeah. And well, I'm going to teach you this because I have to. Yeah. And it's like ah, and and. To me, not all subjects are interesting. There are certain subjects that I'm not into, but there's always someone else who is interested in it. And mm-hmm. I truly feel, I, I, I believe, I have faith that any topic in on planet Earth and off planet Earth, I guess, because I'm also an astronomy teacher, <laughs> but <laughs> any and all topics can be presented in a fun and exciting way if you just look at it the right way. You you can be enthusiastic about it, and and, had, or you can find somebody who's truly passionate yeah. about it. Any yeah. advice for like aspiring teachers out there that want to like try to project their passion fully to the classroom? Like, is there like, any like word of advice you have for that? Or? Um, being passionate about a subject means uh, uh, being passionate about a subject means being willing to be completely open and honest about how you understand it, why you love it so much. And, and sometimes that means like, especially in the world of high school, there's always that attitude of I'm too cool to be into this. And like, I don't want to be nerdy and enthusiastic about that. And like, just being super open with how nerdy you are about it. And it's like, I love this so much and it's great. And I don't care what you think about me. I have a friend of mine. He's like really into tabletop RPGs Mm -hmm. and like, he just talks all the time and I just love his passion. Like I've only played it. Exactly. There are people you can like, even outside of the teaching profession, I believe that everyone can hopefully everyone can like think of a friend or family member mm. who is ridiculously over the top passionate about anything and yeah. a- any topic or yeah. activity and even if you're not into it yeah you can still appreciate mm. that passion and kind of be inspired by that yeah. like yeah. oh man like, uncle joey he does this this crazy thing and he loves it so much and it warms my heart when i see him doing it you know it's yeah. a thing passion like at my job mm-hmm. it yeah. is like, passion is contagious yeah. Like at my at my job, I had a trainer who like taught me everything mm-hmm. and he was like the best teacher ever. Yeah. And I thought, man, has he done this before? He's like really <laughs> patient and just from the way he teaches me and from the different things, he, he was very like a show and tell mm-hmm. sort of person, yes. very like hands on. Mm-hmm. And then I was talking to my other coworker and he was like, oh, actually, he was a teacher mm-hmm. like and i was oh. like oh well. <laughs> do you have a favorite scientist and a favorite musician oh my gosh <laughs> i have a lot of favorite scientists and musicians um 
I guess my favorite scientists in in the realm of science, my favorite scientists are ones who were also really great science communicators and okay. educators. Like, so Sagan, yes, Carl Tyson. Carl Sagan and Richard Feynman are probably oh, Richard my, my favorite scientists of all times. I love and, them so much. And Richard Feynman was also a bongo player, so he yeah. actually oh, you know, wow. has that music yeah, and yeah. science thing. I've together. read so much in Richard Feynman. That guy is my yeah. hero. I love that guy so much. Yeah, so, I wish he didn't die so soon. I know. <sighs> you know, it's uh, it's tragic, but like like people. People throughout history who were really great scientists, but also great communicators, like even like Galileo, for example, like he's famous because he did so many amazing things in the realm of science, but also he was so good at talking to other people about it and lecturing and writing books and getting his ideas out. I mean, it eventually got him in trouble with the church for being too communicative (laughs) about his ideas. Uh, But yeah, that's. That to me is what is so inspiring. Mm-hmm. So, so scientists who are very good communicators and also um, musicians. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, and <laughs> yeah, also yeah, musicians. Have, that works. Musician, oh man, favorite musicians. My fi- uh, because I started on saxophone. I was always very particular to saxophone, and I was really into jazz, especially in high school. And uh, Charlie Parker uh, is my absolute favorite saxophone player of all time. I could listen to his bop style jazz. All day long. He's, he's a huge inspiration to me. Um, I'm also really big into, you know, like not necessarily brass music, but just also pop music and rock mm. and roll and stuff. Um, my absolute favorite musicians. What? Are you going to go to ACL this year? Um, most likely. Yeah. I usually end up showing up for at least a little bit of it. Um, I have a lot of friends who have performed at ACL. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I have I have been members uh, I have been a member of bands who have played at ACL but I did not perform with them uh. at that particular time. Um, but yeah, ACL. Uh, I've played a lot of gigs during South by Southwest. I've I've opened for a lot of famous bands here in town just for regular Any gigs name throughout dropping the right year. There? Any name drops for famous? My, bands? my favorite name drop for famous people I've opened for was Elvis Costello. Oh, um, and actually th- that's one of my favorite stories of all time because. Uh, my name, Allison, is actually, I was named for the Elvis Costello song, Allison, oh. which was a big oh, wow. hit That's back cool. in the 80s. Open for him? Uh, yeah, so, wow. so here's the thing. This gets like layers and layers of greatness. <laughs> oh, circle. Elvis Costello is coming to down, and one of the bands I play in has been asked to open for them. Mm-hmm. So our band is like, oh my god, yes, we're gonna open for Elvis Costello. Um, the show happens to be Mother's Day weekend. My mother is the one who named me Allison. Aww. So I call her and say, hey, I have one free ticket to the show because I'm performing. Would you like to come to Austin and see Elvis Costello with me? And I'm opening, so maybe we could like meet him backstage or something or whatever. So I fly my mom down. She's absolutely ecstatic. Um, we get to watch the whole show. Uh, and he actually played the song Allison as like the final Aww. encore for the evening. And it was just the most amazing, beautiful, magical thing ever. Man. It was like everything all at once. <laughs> all these feels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the daughter you named after Elvis Costello's tune eventually opens for him yeah. and, and brings you to the show. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you are very passionate about these things. Like, you, <laughs> like there's people out there that are looking for their passion in life. Do you have like any advice for people that like they don't feel like they have any passion yet, but they're looking for it and they need to find something to like really give them like a I don't know, just like something passionate, like just make them like wake up every day, not just go to work. Do you like having advice for people to help seek out their passion? To me, there's just so many things to do in the world, and odds are in your life pattern, the things you've been exposed to in your life up to this point, thanks to your family, your upbringing, your geographical location, your culture, all these other things, 
you, most likely you've only been exposed to an incredibly tiny fraction of all the things that are out there mm-hmm. in the universe. And to me, and again, it, it's this was spurred by how I was raised and my parents' philosophy, both my mom and dad, about trying to expose me to as many different things as possible. Uh, and so I would say if you're if you don't currently feel passionate about anything that you do, try to start from square one and just learn something brand new that you mm-hmm. never knew before. Try to experience a different culture or a different kind of music or a different academic area that you didn't even know existed before. Mm-hmm. Um, my absolute favorite quote and my quote that kind of like inspired, like encompasses my teach, entire teaching philosophy is that um, everybody is a genius uh, but, uh, if you ask a fish to climb a tree, uh, like, I, I'm not yeah. saying, yeah, if you that's ask I, a fish to climb a tree, it's gonna live its whole life believing that it's stupid. That's and Einstein, so, right? Uh, that quote reading. is attributed to Einstein, and I'm okay. not sure that it actually okay. is from him, but like, it, usually when I see it online in yeah, like, I see a, in, in, yeah, it usually says Einstein, but, but that idea that everyone, every single person on this planet, has the potential to be really great at something. Mm-hmm. You just have, it's your job to figure out what it is that you're great at. And odds are, statistically speaking, you may have never been introduced to the thing that you're really great at. I tell my students, like, I just randomly point at a kid and I'm like, what if you were meant to be the greatest javelin thrower in the history of the world? Your genetics and your upbringing and the way your brain works is different from everyone else's. And you happen to be the greatest javelin thrower in the world. But if you've never picked up a javelin or tried, you will live your entire life not doing the thing that you could have done best. Mm -hmm. And so... So yeah, be being open to things and trying new things and traveling a lot and meeting people you've never met before. You know, if if you haven't found something you're passionate about yet, just be actively searching for it and look in places you would have never looked. And eventually you'll find something that you care a lot about or something that you really enjoy doing and are really good at and I have faith that the world is big enough and crazy <laughs> enough and filled with enough variety that there is something for each person. I have I faith in that. That's something that, as a scientist, I can't prove that. Yeah. There's no math behind that, but I have faith in the fact that there is something for everybody out there if you look hard enough. I feel very lucky that I found a lot of things I love to yeah. do very, very early on in life. I feel incredibly blessed in that regard. Yeah, I know some people are still searching for like what they're good at right now. And mm-hmm. like, it's just a struggle. That's like being a young adult too, actually, yeah. in college. So, mm-hmm. trying to find. Your identity, the activities and things that you do that define you as a person and why you care about those things. And the, it's the, to me, it's the only important thing worth doing with your life is finding that, finding that passion. Make your life worth living. Yep. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. Okay. And also, I guess before we go, uh, do you want to plug anything for like Honk Texas or for your school, like for like donations, like where to follow you on social media? Um, or if you want to keep track of what I'm up to, especially as a science teacher, I have a website that I maintain. It's called, uh, if you go to stempirecentral.com. And that's, and, that's T-E-M. Yes, yes. And it's a play on words of like stempire. It's an empire of stem. Oh, stempire. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, I wanted, I actually consciously searched for the dorkiest, punniest thing that I could to come up with the name for my website. Uh, But stempirecentral.com, I have um, a a Twitter account that's linked to there, and I blog, not a whole lot, but I plan on blogging more. And I try to, I'm always constantly posting pictures of what we're doing in our classroom and the projects we're working on and the things my kids are creating. And and yeah, if if people want to follow what's going on in my classroom and what's happening there, that's the best way to do it. 
And for Hunt Texas, you said that they do like fundraising and stuff like that? Is that we do fundraising, uh, which usually uh, our fundraising season isn't until like January, February before okay. Honk. Um, but, but supporting any and all of the honks is a big thing. So like throughout the year, Honk Boston is coming up in October. Uh, Honk Fest West in Seattle just happened last month in June. So like throughout the year, there's always at least one big music festival happening in the honk community. All right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we should have plugged that in the show notes so that people could click on it and then they could go and check out what's happening in the science world and contribute to the music world. Yes, honktexas.org and stempirecentral.com. All right. For more on Honk Texas, check out honktx.org. And if you want to learn more about Honk in general, just search for Honk and then your city name right next to it so to see if you have a local chapter. If not, talk to them about establishing your own. And to learn more about Allison, I recommend checking out her blog, stempirecentral.com. That's STEM, S-T-E-M, and the rest is empire, pretty much central.com. And she also has her own Twitter, at stempirequeen, filled with tons of sciencey and musical awesomeness. And don't forget to check out everydaysuperhumans.com, our website, where you can find all of our latest episodes and episodes from season one. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook just by typing Everyday Superhumans and on Twitter, Superhumans Cast. And remember, not every hero has to fly. So grab your cape and let's go. It's not a zero-sum game where it's not like you transfer your passion to one person and then you lose some. It's like it yeah. multiplies. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah. love and creativity and passion. It's like when... When I talk to somebody about something, they get excited. Yeah. And then I get excited, yeah. and they get excited. Yeah. And then I want to go talk to more people, and they want to talk yeah. to people. And it's like, oh, this is so great. It's, it's a self-perpetuating mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. That's what passion is. And I, yeah. Love, yeah, I just love helping spread.